does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You think it's weird he ain't from West Virginia? Just picturing Kevin Pitsnoggle, Mike Gansey. Gansey's got the long t-shirt, <laughs> arm in arm. And here comes intern Chamber of Commerce, Jake Query. That's right. No one works harder than West Virginians. I'm telling you, man. The mountaineer folk, a, no one works there's harder. There's just a blue-collar commendable aspect lunch pail pickup truck driving group in West Virginia man Rocky, I thought the Rocky Mountains would be a lot rockier than this <laughs> that John Denver was full of man full of something Mike Great Woodson line. said a few times last yeah, night uh, right. for those very confused we brought up West Virginia because a potential coin toss between Baltimore and Cincinnati to describe or to decide uh, home field for their potential wild card matchup and I said hey why not meet at a West Virginia rest stop like a Friday Night Light scene to decide that, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, the stakes on Sunday will be far less from a playoff standpoint. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Will it be the final game of the Jeff Saturday era? I am definitely not ready to say that. The free agent group, though. Let me throw some names at you, Jake, and you tell me if any of these guys you would classify as bring them back. Okay. Offensively, I think the only notable one is Paris Campbell. Defensively, Yannick Ngakwe, Taekwon Lewis, Bobby Okereke. Hold on. Let's go one by one here. Paris Campbell. Um, Paris Campbell, I think, uh, you know, I mean, if... One to ten scale. One, you never want to see him again. Ten, you can't live without him. Six. Ngakwe. Four. Yannick Ngakwe just had a season that only two Colts defensive ends have done in a decade, and he is four years younger than when... Justin Houston and Eric Walden accomplish that. Okay. Uh, it depends on how much he's going to demand, but... I can really... And this is not me just being my Bears bias. I could see him in a Bears uniform you next know, you year. You know, you need a Gakwe? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taekwon Lewis? I mean, two. Yeah, I'd probably treat him pretty similar to how you did last year. One year, prove it. I think when healthy, Jake, he I mean, gives you something, that, unfortunately. That's fair. that's fair. When healthy. Uh, Bobby Okereke. Eight. Wow. A lot of money at linebacker. Well, a lot of that is dependent upon what happens with Shaquille Leonard. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to know that before next season starts. You're going to have to make a decision before that. Chase McLaughlin. Based on position, four, because it's a fungible position. Based on what he did this year for you, Eight, nine. Yeah, I would agree. He's a proven commodity. I don't he think you want to you want to go down that road he again. He's reliable. Going to the unknown. I know, the thing is, he was reliable, Jake. But I would add, he was a weapon in that you kicked fifty yard field goals on a rather routine basis with him. You weren't even sniffing that with Hot Rod. Correct. A guy that we forgot to mention yesterday, and, and for those that missed it, I, you know, we, we gave the Colts nice positivity for what 10, 15 minutes, uh, talking about individuals that should be proud of their twenty twenty two season. A guy that someone tweeted at me after the show, listened to the podcast, and and mentioned him, and and I, I agree. I think there's some um, reason behind that. Rodney McLeod, safety veteran, came over from Philadelphia. You know, rookie Nick Cross started the first game of the season. 
and then all of a sudden he plays half a game too and the Colts don't like what they see, they put Rodney McLeod in there playing a different safety position than he's used to, and I think he's been pretty steady for you. And yeah. I think he's helped probably Rodney Thomas. I, I think there's a, there is a value in guys that are kind of Swiss Army where you can plug them maybe in a couple of different ways, or there, there's also a value, Kevin, in guys that kind of know their role going in and know that they might not be an every rep guy, but when their number's called, they're, they're certainly not a huge drop-off to them. Uh, you need guys like that. I mean, no question about it. I, listen, Bobby Okereke was probably that coming into the season. I mean, he was a, a role player that was expect, that was thought to be initially a more marquee player that then this year had to be marquee, and I think he delivered. How I look at linebacker, EJ Speed is also a free agent. Jake, I'd probably bring back Speed, let Bobby Okereke walk. Speed's going to be cheaper. I just don't That's think you fair. can give Okereke the money he's going to command. We were talking Jeff Saturday. Uh, a little bit there in the opening segment. This from Nate. And Jake, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Nate says, if you ask someone to make a cake, but you don't give them the ingredients, it doesn't matter how good of a chef you are. I feel like this is now Neil Brown talking about your palate yesterday. That's right. The Colts issues are a personnel issue. Doesn't make Saturday a good coach, but there's no way he would be successful with this team. I think that's a fair statement, and I think Jim Mercer probably... I think that's part of why Could Jeff be Saturday was burner, brought in. Honestly. Well, I think that's part of why Jeff Saturday was brought in. Hey, can you assess for me, you know, where we are here? So not even an but, ounce of success matters? But there was a clear regression from the person coaching before. So you have a barometer by which to measure Jeff Saturday because for the most part, it was the same roster that Jeff Saturday was dealing with that Frank Reich was, and Frank Reich was 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. And then the bottom fell out. Now, you could make the argument the bottom fell out because there was a seismic change made to the, to the locker room, and everybody had their head on a swivel. I, I get it. But I think that Nate's message there is far more aligned with the way Jim Irsay would would see it. Which is interesting because Ursay Nate calls it a personnel issue. When has Ursay once publicly not defended Chris Ballard to the nth degree? That's where I'm confused with all this, Jake. Okay. Ursay has made it very clear he thinks the personnel is good enough. So Jim, what does that mean for Ballard? Okay. Jim Ursay, follow me here. Jim Ursay is a person of a lot of pride. And Jim Mersey is a person who it is very important that people realize is the man who owns, operates, runs, and decides the fates of the Indianapolis Colts and their personnel. Jim Mersey hired Chris Ballard and called him the best, I'm paraphrasing, general manager hire of the 21st century for a reason. There's no paraphrasing. That was his direct quote. That was his golden boy. That was his discovery. Everybody has their their signature work, right? Everybody has their, you know, Bon Jovi has living on a prayer. Michelangelo has David. Jim Mersey wants his signature work, right? Jerry Krause, when he was with the Chicago Bulls, what did he say? Like, Players don't win championships. Organizations do. He wanted people to know that he was in charge and he was the one building it. Michael Jordan wasn't the one winning it. Everybody knew he was crazy. 
But Jim Irsay brought in Chris Ballard because for two reasons. Number one, Chris Ballard was very well thought of and had a very good resume. But this was his golden opportunity, and and if it were to work, Jim Irsay was going to be the guy that discovered him. That was going to be his outside-the-box thinking or his. He was the first one to take the chance, give the opportunity. What a genius Jim Irsay is. That was true about Chris Ballard more than anybody else in the building until Jeff Saturday. And Jeff Saturday, in terms of the unconventional thought process of bringing him in and having it be labeled as a Jim Irsay outside-the-box thought that was bucking the trend and going away from people and his signature thumbprint all over it, Jeff Saturday usurps in terms of the strength of that category in the mind of Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard. And so it is going to be very difficult for Jim Irsay to immediately depart from Jeff Saturday because that's where his attention now has focused on being his guy. And he took a ton of heat, and I think he didn't expect it. I think Jim Irsay expected that when he hired Jeff Saturday that people would say he thought that the talking heads on ESPN and the NFL Network and 107.5 The Fan and the Indianapolis Star, he thought – and, and don't get me – don't – don't kid yourself. All people in sports pay attention to that stuff. Whether they, t- they all say, I don't, I don't read anything that the media says, and then they proceed to tell you 15 straight things word for word the media has said. He expected that people would say, what a brilliant outside-the-box hire. I mean, Jeff Saturday knows football. I see him on TV. Why did nobody else think of this? And instead, everybody went, what in the world? Which then caused him to clench further onto his pride to say, you know what, I still want the opportunity to prove him wrong. That's just my observation. Rosie, Max, find you someone that loves you like Jim Mersey loves Jeff Saturday. Yep. Joseph Hall, the schedule's a lot tougher during the Saturday tenure than earlier in the season. There's probably a good amount of truth to that. But again, to the embarrassment. It's not like you're losing competitive games. And you look around the league, Houston's a great example of it. You're going to see a team that over the last month has played good, has won a game, won a road game. They take Kansas City to overtime. I'm watching Denver with an interim coach, Jerry Rosberg, last week. They took Kansas City to the brink of it. Colts haven't sniffed that in a month. Does that matter? Should it matter? If not, then when you hired Saturday on November 3rd, whenever you did it, you pretty much said, screw the Rooney rule. Jeff Saturday's our coach full-time. That's the other thing that comes into play is the Rooney rule when they just immediately went out and got Jeff Saturday and there was Rooney rule discussion from people, it was not applicable because it was on an interim basis. But now if you hire him full-time, then you're going to have people that are going to say, see, yeah, you still went through, but it was window dressing. It's hollow. It's something that I just want to, I guess, ask of Ursay. If indeed he is going to hire Jeff Saturday, just please at least go through the entire interview process with actual real time and effort. Jake, Carolina's not asking to interview Jeff Saturday. Denver's not asking to interview Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday's not some coveted candidate. If you want him, you'll probably get him. Don't rush to it. Interview a lot of candidates with a lot of different backgrounds and see what else Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Is out there. He's a busy man this time of year. Of course, you could probably say that about all months out of the year. Greg Gregstraw joins us right now. Reiki, I'm watching Purdue last night, and I'm thinking this is prob that, that Braden Smith is probably what Rake saw at sectional eight last year, and that Fletcher Lawyer game winner probably isn't too surprising to you at all. That's just that kid's mo. Um, you know, I had, didn't see Fletcher as much as I saw Braden. Saw Fletcher in the regional round the year before, where he played great, but Carmel had done enough to kind of kind of put them at bay when they played at Logansport, and then. You know, Smith is just so tough uh, and, and was so ready to make that transition from a high level of, of high school hoops to now a high level of college basketball. So not surprised at all that those two guys are having the year that they are having for a team that uh, is, is surprising us in terms of what their ranking is at the midway point of the season. I was asking this earlier, Greg. This is kind of inconsequential, but Houston – is obviously really good, and Houston won last night as well. They're ranked second. But I remember, I can't remember who it was a couple of years ago, was ranked number one, lost, and then stayed number one despite losing during the week. I know it means a lot for Purdue to be ranked number one for their fans. Does winning at Ohio State kind of offset that loss earlier in the week and possibly allow them to stay at one? It's certainly possible. Now, my guess is because Houston being number two and given the 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 dominant fashion uh, and the national stage. I think it was an ESPN two game that Houston had in in, in beating SMU within an inch of their life. Um, that Houston's probably the number one team, but it's certainly possible. And again, not like Purdue doesn't have a great resume. And the other thing too is you know Rutgers backed that up by how they played last night. Rutgers is a pretty good basketball. Team. They are. But my guess would my my guess would be is that is that Purdue drops a spot or two when the new polls come out on Monday. Rick, we're not to the point yet where we're thinking, could Indiana miss the tournament, are we? And no, injuries no. injuries kind of play into the reason why I would even potentially ask that question. Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on how long-term, you know, do we see Xavier Johnson again? You know, how long-term is Race Thompson's injury going to be? Yes, that's a factor, but but no, for even, even as... As rough as last night's loss was, because I know Iowa was simply not very good, but it was a road game. But knowing you got up by 20 points so quickly, and that evaporates relatively quickly, and and you lose last night like IU did, um, we're, we're not questioning their tournament medal just yet. But clearly, they are also not the team we had hoped this group would be going into the season. Is Purdue tougher than Indiana or just better coached? <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. Um, but I thought last night was one team finding a way to win and another team finding a way to lose. I agree. Um, that, that, that's, that, that It was amazing to have those two in back-to-back fashion where you got to sit there in one four-and-a-half-hour setting and take in everything they both do right and everything they both do wrong. And believe me, watching the Purdue game last night to me was fascinating because they've almost got a guaranteed bucket and when Zach Eady's on the floor, but at the same time, that also creates very much some defensive liabilities for them. And so, it, you know, 
they're they're an amazing kind of study in contrast about things that are both good and bad. You know, Indiana at this point, again, some very talented individuals trying to make all those pieces fit. And part of that is, you know, because you're hurt at the point guard spot, you're having a freshman, talented individual player, having to play that position and does some good things, but he's also doing some learning on the job. So, again, I, I look at last night as right now you get one team that finds a way to win, another team that finds a way to lose, and that's the difference in those two teams currently. He is Greg Rakestraw. Again, a busy, busy time of year for Rake on the high school front. You'll hear him on the Colts post game show, the final one of the year coming up on Sunday. I do want to get to Colts in a few minutes. But, you know, Rake, I've been seeing some of your you know pictures from gyms over the last few days and few weeks and thought to myself, Let's go Indy and Donut Counties. Give me your three favorite high school gyms in the area. Oh, that's tough. Um, Southport Fieldhouse immediately comes to mind. Uh, obviously, it's the biggest. It's where the biggest events are at. I'll be there for the Marion County Tournament um, You know, next Friday and next Saturday, and then again, likely the regional round on Saturday, March 11th. But again, just because of... Now what is played there on a yearly basis, the Forum Tip-Off Classic that we do on ISC, Southport Fieldhouse comes to mind uh, as, as, as number one. See, now you're making me think in terms of, uh, you know, kind of venues that are different, that are quirky, um, that are unique. Uh, I always thought Tech was kind of a unique venue. Cascade uh, immediately comes to mind locally. Like literally, there are classrooms. Like the, the 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 upper concourses of the gym are actually hallways uh, in the school building, and there are classrooms that are off to the side of it. You know, so if they ever played a matinee basketball game, might be a little distracting. You know, to the kids that are in class, um, and so and and it's kind of a two tier gym. It's it's uniquely built. So in terms of unique buildings. Cascade immediately comes in okay. mind. Yeah. You've been to Washington Catholic? I just looked up a picture of it. That is super unique, Rake. Yeah. And I no, I have not been to Washington Catholic, but I went to college with several guys who played at Washington Catholic. And obviously there's the old play of going out of one set of doors and coming back in the other to get a bucket. That was, I think, like CNN's play of that the was year. Blaine and Shane Steimel. That was 1991. Mike Adams was the head coach who later went on to F.J. Wrights in Evansville and just retired. Um, and he was a UND guy like you, Greg. Yep. Um, and that's Adam Alexander's uncle. So we went to a lot of Washington Catholic games. Oh, yeah. And that gym, for people that don't know, the baseline, literally like the door from the baseline, There's no wa- the wall right there is the door that goes to the entrance of the gym. So yeah. they ran a play where a guy went out of the out of the gym, through the lobby, back in the other side. The defender's like, where the hell did that guy go? And he hit a three. <laughs> wasn't well, legal but it was fun I was a college tennis teammate for a year of Blaine and Shane and those guys are Shane is one of my insurance agents Blaine is a physical therapist down in Jasper uh, those guys have been friends of mine for 30 years so believe me I know the birdcage very well it is one of my checklist buildings to do a game from sadly Dubsy has not been all that good in the last 20 or 25 years the magic that they had back in 1991 has not been recreated or anything close to it since. The Birdcage. What an awesome name for a gym. Uh, he's Greg Rakestraw, ISC Sports Network. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, switching over to the Colts. Um, you know, if, if the Colts were 5-2 and two right now under Jeff Saturday, 
the praise would be endless, and it would almost probably be a foregone conclusion he'd be the permanent head coach next season. So the fact that they're the reverse of that, and they're 1-6, and six, and they've lost in such embarrassing fashion, shouldn't that close the door on any chatter about him being the permanent head coach? It should. But again, we all have this caveat of it's Jim Mercer's team, and clearly he's become more involved, and so you have no idea what to expect. So absolutely, if you're just basing basing this off of how has the team looked since Jeff took over, Jeff Saturday's not your head coach next year. But again, given the fact that it's Jim Irsay, we know that it is possible that Jeff Saturday is your head coach next year. Through these uh, free agent names at Jake earlier, I'll throw a couple at you. Paris Campbell, Yanni Kangakwe, Bobby Okereke, Chase McLaughlin. Any of those names, 100%, you're bringing back? Amazingly, the one you'd say is Chase McLaughlin. Um, you know, given how he has settled the kicking position for your team. Um, and the thing that I would throw out there, too, is you got to remember, he will likely not be asked to kick off next year. You would think that's going to be Rigoberto Sanchez returning um, after his Achilles injury that will handle the punting duties for this team next year. And so Chase can focus just on place kicking, and he did a great job of that. So he would be number one. Of that now, I would lump Paris Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe in the same boat, even though one is going to cash in more than the other. Um, the role that Ngakwe has played reminds me very much of kind of what Justin Houston's role. Yeah, Kevin was, mentioned him earlier. You know, with, with this team where he wasn't anything spectacular, but he was very solid, very dependable. And I want to see him back. I'm not probably offering him a, a, a break-the-bank contract, but I'm offering him good money for a veteran player knowing you, you, you're going to get 10 sacks out of Yannick Ngakwe. You know exactly what you're going to get with him. Um, it's a matter of finding the right market value to bring him back. I think Bobby O'Care and Paris Campbell is, is not going to get that level of money. Uh, I could see Paris being brought back because of how he played this year, kind of the presence he is in the Colts locker room. Um, I'm probably not giving him a long-term deal. I'm probably putting him, ironically enough, with a fellow Buckeye in Taekwon Lewis. Okay, we'll give you we'll give you a solid one-year contract. If he gets something more long-term from somebody else, my best bet is the Colts shake his hand and say, hey, buddy, we wish you well, but we're, we're not going to invest multiple years into a contract for Paris Campbell at this point. Bobby O'Karake is the interesting one. And the perspective I have on Bobby is almost dating back to the Bill Polian era, where there were certain guys that you just knew, hey, you're probably, even if you deserve it, you're not going to get a second contract here because X amount of money for the position has already been allocated. Right. Um, and, and so knowing you got Franklin Hunter, now what looks like a phenomenal deal now for the next two years, Knowing you've got Shaquille Leonard under contract, exactly what he is at this point, you're not sure. Um, I, you're either bringing back one of Okereke or Speed. And again, my, my gut tells me that Okereke will get a bigger contract here than the Colts would like to give to a second or third linebacker, and he is probably elsewhere next year. Could be wrong about that, um, especially if there's – maybe more known about exactly what Shaquille Leonard's health status is going to be. 
Like if there is a question mark about him playing next year, then there is no doubt you got you have to bring back Bobby Okereke. But my 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 gut tells me Chase McLaughlin is playing here next year. I think likely Yannick Ngakwe is playing here next year. Paris Campbell better than fifty fifty. Okereke less than fifty fifty. Greg, do you think how quickly do you think? So the season will end on what January eighth? Technically, is the date right for? Is that right mm-hmm. for Sunday? Mm-hmm. So, in terms of having a pretty good idea of knowing who is going to be coaching them and what key players will be returning, tell me the date that you think we have that definitive feeling. Well, obviously, from a player standpoint and free agency, that's going to be early to mid March. Um, from a coach, general manager, front office standpoint, needs to be Monday. And now, obviously, if you're going to make a move and it's not Jeff, then it's going to be then the coach part will be a little bit later. Um, and obviously, you know, because Jeff is on an interim deal, you need to go through the interview process. You know, even if it's going to be him, so maybe that takes a few days. But there needs to be a definitive statement from Jim Irsay. Maybe not Sunday night, but on Monday, hey, this is this is what we are considering at this position. This is what we're considering at that position. You have to have a coherent, um, cogent plan going forward. That's what this organization desperately needs. This is the direction we are heading. This is the direction we are swimming. Even if you don't know who all the pieces are going to be at this point, Right, like that, the the map is this, right? Like the, the that that sounds good, right? Meant. Like the blueprint is this. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. Uh, uh, after how they've operated the last year, understood. I, I get it. That's why. That's why I phrased the way I did. Yeah, you know, Monday will be interesting. You know, technically, I mean, Jeff Saturday's the interim coach, so even if you want him full time, you obviously have to go through a process. They've said that publicly even Ursay has said that publicly Ballard is the one that you know technically he's under contract you don't have to make any announcement about him if you're bringing him back um I, I think when Ballard talks will be interesting part of me thinks that the only Ursay uh, public comments we'll get is just maybe some like thank you fans sort of tweet slash you know we've got a lot of decisions to make this offseason or something along those lines I I don't know I, I don't you never know what they're saying but I don't see him holding any sort of press conference anytime soon Right. You only make a press conference if you have changes to announce, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, what you got this weekend? Uh, so, North Central, Ben Davis, doubleheader tonight. Boys game on WNDY. Hendricks County Tournament Finals tomorrow night from Danville. Girls game at 6 and boys game to follow. By the way, the North Central Ben Davis game, which location is that? It is at your beloved alma mater, Jake. Because I knew, and that's the, when you say doubleheader, that's the girls, what, the girls and then the boys right after, right? Correct. I know that North Central was, um, you know, hoping for a, a pretty good turnout of that. So I think, is it 6 o'clock girls game? That is correct. So 1801 East 86th Street, by the way, everybody, for your basketball entertainment tonight. Or you can watch it, of course, with Greg. Rake, Ben Davis in 4A seems to be, is it safe to say, kind of a clear favorite? And anybody in the other classes look like that so far? Uh, nobody to, to, to the uh, you know tune of Ben Davis just because Ben Davis has, has played such a rigorous schedule so far and has won all of those games. You know, like the teams directly behind them are you know Cathedral, Penn, and Brownsburg. That's not a particular order. 
Ben Davis has wins over all of those teams so far. And Ben Davis has wins over Zionsville and Fishers and Southport, who are also teams under consideration. Lawrence Central is of the top 20. Well, Ben Davis beat them two weeks ago. Um, ben, ben Davis, other than the Marion County Tournament, has a largely front-loaded schedule with a couple of notable exceptions, Carmel and Lawrence North, uh, that remain on the schedule. But, you know, we'll see how Ben Davis does next week in the Marion County Tournament. you got to win four games in five days. But, frankly, they've got the depth uh, to do that. Uh, and they've also got a motivating factor in that they were up big in the championship on North Central last year and let it slip away. And North Central won that game in overtime. So, Ben Davis is the clear-cut favorite in 4A in girls, South Bend, Washington, despite the strength of the Hamilton County area teams in Zionsville and being in the same half of the bracket, they're the definitive favorite in 4A. 1A, 2A, 3A, you tend not to have that as much. You've got multiple great teams in those classifications, and nobody has broken away the way the two teams in 4A have at this juncture. By the way, I remember Jake storming the court last year when North Central came back to beat Ben Davis, uh, if, I was, if I'm not mistaken. I was actually ejected from Terre Haute, uh, North High School in 1990 for going onto the court prematurely in a North Central Terre Haute North game to confront the band director when they played a song when um, Dewey Williams broke his ankle. They played at the hop. I found it inappropriate. I got ejected by the Terre Haute did Police you, Department. You, did, wait, now, is that a Fran McCaffrey level? We need of video of this badly. Well, here's the thing, guys. I, I was broadcasting the game for WJEL 89.3, your Panther Sports Connection, and Dewey was obviously one of my best friends, and he was a it was our junior year actually, and uh, he got hurt, and it was his ankle, and he's laying on the floor writhing in pain. And the band, and, and admittedly, I don't think they really realized what was going on. It's but like a Kayvon Thibodeau situation, correct, it, correct. And they started playing at the hop, which I thought was inappropriate. So I just took off my headsets and left the game call to Adam Alexander and walked out on the floor across the floor to tell the band director to knock it off. And he took exception to that, and the Terre Haute Police Department said, um, you're going to have to come with us. And they yeah, when, you, when you walk across the floor during the game, that's usually an immediate do not pass go moment. Well, I figured as the as the voice of the Panthers that I had carte blanche. You know, I had a little press pass and everything. They didn't see it that way. This uh, is right. what's wrong with media. You, 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 do you think you Rake does this? Rake is a professional. He doesn't do this. You probably would have been allowed to walk around the court and have that conversation. I was very upset, Greg. Across the court, pro- you know, part that was probably a problem. By the way, before we let you go, Greg. I'm going to read you two tweets. I want you, either one of you guys to guess who tweeted them, okay? This was last night as Fletcher Lawyer was hitting a game winner. That's a tough win on the road by Purdue. Ohio State got some good young hoopers over there. That Big Ten is some good bump. Then moments later, someone mentioned that Indiana was leading big. To which the same person then sent another tweet. IU should be up 20, but they're playing solid ball right now. Who's that from? Greg Ray, start your guess. Magic Johnson. I actually <laughs> I actually saw the, the tweet, so I'm probably not one to Purdue is probably thrilled to get a Big Ten road win, but they're probably not near as thrilled with that as they are the fact that Kevin Durant was tweeting about them last night. Nice. For those guys, man, that's a big deal, right? That's I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like that's a big deal. Sure, locked into FS1. Break. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy this weekend. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We'll see you Sunday. See you, fellas. Jake, it was quite the press release yesterday from the University of Michigan football program and Jeff, uh, Jeff Saturday, Jim Harbaugh's comments within that press release. For those that missed it earlier, the press release reads like this. Jim Harbaugh says, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. College and NFL teams have great interest in all our personnel from players to coaches to staff. And I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I've spoken with President Santa Ono and Athletic Director Ward Manuel and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach, Bo Beckler said, those who stay will be champions. Do you, you get- love that, don't you? Uh, the final part? Just the whole thing. Uh, the while no one knows what the future holds with a comma and then I expect, I think is one of the wilder statements in a press release that I assume Michigan believed this would quiet some of the chatter, <laughs> silence some of it. Your bewilderment amuses me. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Austin Meek joins us right now. He covers the Michigan football program for The Athletic. Austin, when you saw that press release, your thoughts were what? Well, I, I, it was not anything that Jim Harbaugh had not said before, so I can't say that it, it really changed how I've thought about this whole situation. Jim Harbaugh said the same thing in December, uh, in, in exactly the same wording, that nobody knows the future, but he expected to be back at Michigan. Um, that's that's quite a few caveats in there if, if you're counting, uh, and it's not a, not a definitive statement uh, by any means of what he's going to do, but, but it does indicate that uh, right now his intention is to be back at Michigan. Um, but part of this is that, you know, the, the thing that came out later in the night about the, the NCAA investigation and the, the potential penalties for Jim Harbaugh all makes a little bit more sense because when he's talking about not knowing the future, it, it makes you ask, well, okay, you know, what, what potentially could, could change? And, that, and now we know there's this NCAA situation that certainly is going to factor into his thinking and whatever he does. Now, the NCAA letter of notice, if you will, the, the, the notice of allegations that Michigan could face a level one violation, if you could, Austin, for our listeners, and I don't think people are overly nuanced here in Indianapolis about – you know, violations Michigan may have committed or whatnot. But, you know, is this like they found out they might have had a parking ticket or is this, or did they face the potential of the kind of penalty that would make Jim Harbaugh feel like it's better to be elsewhere? Well, the old saying is that the cover up is always worse than the crime. And that, that seems to be the situation here. The, the infractions themselves, the primary infractions, don't look like anything overly severe. Um, some of it was known about 
an analyst who had been coaching practice. Uh, it sounds like there was some impermissible contact with, with recruits during the COVID-19 dead period. Um, so nothing, nothing really overly severe, but, but the problem is uh, Jim Harbaugh is, is facing a level one violation uh, for allegedly not cooperating with the investigation. And that, that's the uh, potential infraction that, that rises to a level where there, there could be some penalty for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then the question would be, does, does he accept the penalty and return to Michigan, or, or is that the type of thing where he feels like uh, rather than deal with that, he, he wants to just go and coach in the NFL, which, which he clearly has had a desire to do, had a desire to do last season, um, said that he wasn't going to entertain that this year. But, but with this situation coming up, you, you just have to wonder, uh, is that maybe the tipping point that makes him decide that it's time to go back to the NFL? Sometimes with guys, Austin, Austin Meek of The Athletic, who covers Michigan athletics, joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sometimes we cover athletes or coaches or administrators, and we become conditioned in the media, maybe even or as fans, cynically speaking, to assume that they always speak in tongue. And then there are those that you look at after the fact and go, you know what, they were pretty transparent, and and I just assumed they met elsewise, but they were pretty upfront. Where does Jim Harbaugh lie in that regard in terms of when he speaks? Is he is his track record such that you can take him to his word, or is he kind of always looking around the corner? You know, Jim Harbaugh is is an interesting guy. He's a he's a quirky personality. I think everybody knows that. Uh, and, and I don't pretend to know exactly what's going on in, in his mind. Certainly, I think he's the only one who knows that. But I would say that, in general, I think that that he has been fairly straightforward about his intentions last season. Uh, he, he was, he was pretty upfront about the fact that he was going to explore the NFL. Uh, he, he said that to, to recruits. Um, he, he didn't really deny it. It was, it was pretty well known at a certain point that last season he was going to, look into the NFL and see if there was an opportunity for him to go back to the NFL. Um, it, it's been different this year. He's, he's made much more definitive statements this year about intending to be back at Michigan. Um, and so I do give that some weight, but, but I also, you know, I'm aware that he's also given himself some, some wiggle room and repeatedly saying, you know, nobody knows what the future holds. Um, I, I think that that statement, you know, applies to the situation that he's in now because you know things change. It's, the situation he's in now at Michigan looks a lot different than it did a week ago, uh, and, and all of that gets factored in when he's deciding what to do in the future. Austin, our apologies for not saying good morning and thank you for the time when we had you on to begin the interview. I kind of hopped right into it, so I, we do appreciate you joining us here and providing a little bit more background on a name that obviously Colts fans have been chatting about a whole lot here recently. You, along with several of your colleagues, had a story earlier in the week where kind of the big takeaway was, I think it's a done deal if he gets an NFL offer. I mean, that that is what you know a source indicated close to Harbaugh on that front. Um, does this statement that was released yesterday by Jim Harbaugh change any of you or your colleagues' thinking on that? I it, I don't. It didn't change mine. Um, just because it was the same thing that Jim Harbaugh had said, you know, in, in early December, 
he was reiterating it, and and it certainly it, it tells you at this point that nothing has changed necessarily in his mind. But also, you know, we're we're still pretty early in the in the NFL hiring cycle. You know, the 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 real action of the NFL hiring cycle hasn't happened yet. So uh, that that statement, I think, you know, it, it it's I would won't say that it's meaningless. I think it's you know there is some significance that Jim Harbaugh released that statement yesterday, possibly knowing that the NCAA stuff was going to come out yesterday as well. Uh, so I, I think it's a useful piece of information, but the fact that, that it was essentially just reiterating what he had said uh, in early December, you know, it, it doesn't really change my thinking that if there is an NFL team that puts together the right offer for, for Jim Harbaugh, uh, that, that he does have a desire to go back and coach in the NFL. And, and I won't be surprised if that happens. And I'll be even less surprised now knowing that there's this NCAA situation that he would have to work through if he stayed at Michigan. Austin, I was surprised to read that his buyout is just $3 million this year. Um, for those of us that don't know, and, and I'm, I'm one of them certainly, what are his contract parameters in terms of length and, and kind of where is he on the list of highest paid coaches in college football? So when Jim Harbaugh came back last season after interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings, he signed a, a five-year contract at Michigan. His, his average guaranteed compensation is $7.3 million. He also gets a $1 million retirement contribution every year. So if you look at that, around $8 million every year, uh, it, it's not the top. I mean, Mel Tucker at Michigan State is, is up towards $10 million. So you can make an argument that Jim Harbaugh is underpaid relative to the success he's had the last two years, although certainly, uh, certainly he's well compensated, the buyout is small, $3 million in the first year of the contract if he decides to go to the NFL, and that goes down uh, from, from the first year. So uh, it, the contract, you know, the last two off-seasons, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have, have been in contract negotiations. Uh, initially, you know, he, he took the pay cut to come back on a very uh, school-friendly contract in 2021 and then he renegotiated after the 2021 season and if he does stay at michigan it's possible that he would renegotiate again because he's he's not right at the top uh, in terms of of the big 10 or nationally uh but but he's closer than he was in the deal that he signed last year so austin hypothetically jim mercy calls jim harbaugh in a week jimmy man it's jimmy here let's make you captain comes back and he just says flat out, I want to make you the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and I'm going to pay you $10 million a year. I'll give you three years, $30 million right now. Any chance Jim Harbaugh says no? I don't think so. I think it would be hard to turn that down, uh, especially if part of the pitch is, hey, come to the NFL and, and you don't have to deal with this stuff that you have to deal with in college football right now. I mean, it's hard to be a college football coach right now dealing with NIL the transfer portal, uh, and, and then, you know, this NCAA stuff, it's, it's a very, you know, it's, it's a wild, a wild environment in college football right now. The sport is really changing fast. It's a hard time to be a college football coach. So my opinion is if Jim Arbaugh had that opportunity, uh, I think he'd probably take it. If you were Austin Meek of The Athletic is our guest on the Payless Stickers Hotline, if you were to critique Jim Harbaugh as a coach, I mean, obviously he's a fine football coach. I don't think anybody denies that. 
But from your observation, is his strength the strategy of figuring out game plans and having his team ready to play? Or is he simply, or not simply, but is he more so the kind of motivator that gets maximum performance out of everybody on the roster? I think his strength is is team building. I think his his strength is taking a locker room and figuring out how to get the players in that locker room to give 100% of themselves to the team. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I think he's got a great football mind and I think the, the philosophies that he believes in, in football, uh, have, have stood the test of time that Jim Harbaugh is, is a smart offensive coach, uh, game plans well, you know, instills toughness in his team. That's really what's gotten Michigan where they are is, is he really committed and Michigan really committed to be a team that was going to win in the trenches. They built their their team that way, and they're twenty five and three the last two years, and it it's worked. So um, you know, I, I would I would put him in the category um, of a team builder more so than than you know maybe the coaches who you think of as you know really brilliant X and O strategists. But I, but I think he's both. You know, I, I think I think he's got a great football mind, but most of all, I think the psychology of, of how to get football players to play at their absolute highest level. I would say that's the thing that Jim Harbaugh does the best. Again, Austin Meek from The Athletic is with us here on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Last one for me, Austin. Of course, we had this statement yesterday, but it seems like to get to the finality of Jim Harbaugh NFL 2023 rumors, we probably have to wait till every team has found a coach for 2023. Right now, you got three of them, Denver, Carolina, and Indy. But I don't think any statement from Board Manuel, the AD, or any further statement, I guess, from Harbaugh would change it. Signing day is come and gone. I guess you have a February period. But it, it just seems like in, until we get 32 head coaches for the 2023 season in the NFL, this storyline is still going to linger a bit because that statement, in my opinion, yesterday did nothing to squelch any of the rumors. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh could could agree to a, a contract extension at Michigan, and that that would certainly quiet the rumors. But as long as there are NFL jobs available, uh, and as long as Jim Harbaugh's you know statement is is still uh, what he said so far about not knowing the future, but expecting to be back at Michigan, that that certainly leaves the door open for something to to transpire with the NFL, and he, even the fact that. Uh, he had a conversation with with the Carolina Panthers, and that was that was reported. Uh, look, if if his goal is to uh, convince everybody that he's not even going to think about going to the NFL, having a conversation with an NFL team that has a co- head coaching vacancy is is probably not the way to convince everybody of that, right? So, uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to be completely convinced that Jim Harbaugh is going to be back at Michigan next year. Uh, until his contract situation is settled and until, as he said, every NFL head coaching vacancy is filled. Austin Meek, The Athletic, is where you can read his work covering Michigan, both football and basketball, and certainly one to follow as the Jim Harbaugh story may or may not unfold as it relates to the Indianapolis Colts. Austin, we appreciate the time this morning and certainly uh, enjoy the weekend, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. appreciate it. All right. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Coverage on Sunday. JMV's got you starting at 9 o'clock from Bullseye Event Center. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, joins us now like he does every Friday. Uh, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, your favorite city in the United States? New York City? Oh, it's the greatest city in the world. Greatest city in the world. Matt Taylor was just there, I think from a technicality standpoint, I guess. Jersey City. Uh, Any guesses as the restaurant that Matt Taylor went to last Saturday before Colts and Giants? New Year's Eve night, where did Matt Taylor go for his dinner in, in your opinion, the greatest city in the world? Uh, Chili's. Matt Taylor, will you share with the audience where you went? Why, why are you throwing me under the bus like this? I mean, it's 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 too early for my brain to function like this. Why, why are you why are you publicly shaming me yeah, right now? You know, I part don't understand of, this. Part of me thought it was a low blow, but part of me likes this restaurant because every time I open up the menu, I think I'm opening up an NFL playbook. <laughs> that would be the greatness, Jake. That would be the greatness of the Cheesecake Factory, which was right across the street from my hotel in uh, Jersey City. So I went for convenience. I was in. I was out. I was back in my hotel room by halftime in the Michigan game, and it was glorious. You know that uh, menu there is about the size of the New York phone book, right? That's right. That's right. And that's the, thing. That's the beauty of it. You can get a nice little, you know, cut of steak. You can get some pasta. You can get a sandwich. You can get a burger. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I mean, it's like going to, uh, you know, it's like going to, you know, Disney World for for your appetite. Are you getting paid it's, it's, for this endorsement from the Cheesecake Factory? Listen, I, as I told you, the two things on my tombstone will be lived a great life of convenience and non-hassle. And, uh, Matt, hey, I hey, man, here's the thing. I did read a, an article the other day that said like 60% of people when they're out of town eat at a chain, which I kind of get, Be and I get it. People are going to be like, New York City, the greatest food city in the world. I get it. But like, you're there for work, so you kind of want something where you know what you're getting into, right? Uh, you know, you're familiar with the menu. I, I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Honestly, like, it wasn't about that. Like, I'm not afraid to try. Like, if there was a, a local hole-in-the-wall pub and a bar right across the street, I would have gone there. I just, I don't want to have to think about it. I mean, you're in New York City or thereabouts on New Year's Eve. You talk about just, like, hustle and bustle and chaos going on around you, and I don't want to attempt to get an Uber in that area on New Year's Eve and pay $25 to go two miles down the street. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go right across the street to the Cheesecake fa- cheesecake Factory with my boys, and we're going to have a nice, solid... <laughs> my boys. Yeah. My B-O-I-Z. Boys. Yeah, my boys, and we're going to watch some football, <laughs> and then I'm going to go back upstairs, continue to watch ball in my, you know, in my, in my uh, shorts, in my gym shorts, in my comfortable socks, 
and I'm going to get a good night's sleep because I got two kids at home. And you can judge me if you want, but I, I ain't apologizing for nothing. Man, if this keeps up, Jeff Saturday might need to turn to Matt Taylor for the pregame speech come Sunday. No, nothing no. says nothing S- says Sunday me afternoon. and my crew like a night at the Cheesecake Factory before escaping the yeah. kids for a shut-eye at the Hampton Inn. Hell yeah. Matt, <laughs> the great Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. We do appreciate Matt playing along there uh, and sharing his just great vacation, and I shouldn't say vacation, work trip to New York last week. Uh, Mayte, Jake and I were talking earlier in the week, and obviously there's plenty of reasons to be very critical of the Colts season, how it's unfolded. But I do think any time you get to the final week of the year, I always find myself saying, all right, which individuals should feel good about their seasons? And I think when you talk about it physically and perhaps more so mentally, I don't know how you don't put Paris Campbell atop the list. This dude is going to run out of the tunnel on Sunday, Matt, and he's going to play in every single game this season, which none of us would have expected back in August. Yeah, and certainly, you know, as you say that, I mean, you know, Paris hopefully somewhere is listening to this and and knocking on wood that he gets through that 17th game. But you're exactly right. He's played in, will have played in 17 games this year, which is more than his first three seasons combined. And he only played in 15 games due to a myriad of injuries. And he always talks openly about that. I mean, it's not as if he's suffering, you know, soft tissue stuff and he's not taking care of his body. He's not in good shape. No, he's just had, you know, brute force injuries, you know, the the knee and he's had the foot and things like that. And, you know, just raw, raw deals. I mean, he catches that 51-yard touchdown pass a year ago in week six against the Houston Texans, ironically. And, and maybe the biggest play of his career, and then he gets landed on by somebody on his foot, and then basically his season is done. I know he came back late last year, but um, it, it basically ended that year. So he's got, and, and to take it a step further, he's got more catches and more receiving yards this year than he did his first three years combined as well. Um, so really happy for him, and you know he talked openly about it this week in the locker room, that he's got no regrets and wouldn't do anything different this year and however it plays out it's going to play out in free agency and he's going to be a big one for the Colts to make a decision on and you know he's played with a bunch of different quarterbacks like everybody else and you know in in sort of this same offense but yet tailored you know maybe six or seven different ways when he's been out there so it's it's really hard to get a good gauge on just exactly what the Colts have in Paris Campbell between the instability on offense around him plus all of his injuries you know, through four years of his career. So he's sort of like, he's still, I think, this this enigma in terms of potential and what he can be and what he could bring to this offense going forward with a new coaching staff and probably a new quarterback next year as well. Matt, the end of the year is always interesting in the NFL season. Matt Taylor's our guest, the voice of the Colts. He's on the Payless Stickers hotline. You can always tell, and you've seen it, in various spectrums right i mean there are when you go into the playoffs of course you don't know when the final week is but but here we are and everyone knows it's the final week i i think that the the relief of that for some players perhaps was overshadowed this week by the realities of life when it comes to football based on the situation with you know in buffalo but or actually technically in cincinnati But now that that situation is starting to add a little bit of clarity and we go back to focusing on football, in all honesty, from your perspective, can you sense in some of the players within the locker room, I know they're professionals, I get it, but can you kind of sense that to some of them perhaps there is a relief 
that this season that has been a disappointment is coming to an end? Well, I mean, perhaps. I mean, I think I, I don't know. That I mean, you'd have to ask them. The, the players obviously would be able to give you a better gauge. But um, I, I think if I answer that question candidly, I mean, I think it's human nature to just sort of, you know, be a professional and show up every day and and give it. You know, you're a hundred percent. You know, give all of yourself to the team and the job, no matter. You know who your teammates are, no matter who your you know no matter what your record is, things like that. But I do think that you know probably once the gun goes off on Sunday afternoon around four o'clock, you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, just sort of I think naturally you know compartmentalize into okay, now the off season's here, and now I need to go about my business in a different way, and I need to start taking care of my body, um, maybe give myself a few weeks off before I get back in the grind of things. Um, you know, meet with your coaches, meet with your position coaches, and um, just form you know formulate a plan to to get better and and to um, again you know make some subtle changes to your body, subtle changes to your game. But yeah, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, I, I think I think the the half the, the second half of that Minnesota game just sort of sucked the life out of this team. Um, and I, I'm trying to find a better way to say it, but I mean, you're you're talking about two offensive touchdowns for this team in the last 13 quarters. Um, you know, the defense has sort of, you know, run out of gas. They're giving up. I mean, I think it's at least 38 points in three of the last four games. So, yeah, I, I don't see collective quit by any means from this Colts team. But, you know, it's it sort of is what it is. I think we can all agree with that. And I, I hate saying that. But, you know, knowing your fate, you know, three weeks ago that you're not going to make the playoffs, it makes it tough. But I still think – you give credit to Jeff Saturday and this team, and they fight. You know that that first half. I mean, the the first half against the Giants, it's fourteen to three. It's still a game, and then they scored ten points in the last, you know, whatever it was a minute fifty. Um, you know, they had to pick six, and then the Colts had to, uh, had to punt, and then they give up some big plays, and then they give up the touchdown right before the end of the half, and then all of a sudden it's twenty four to three, and the dam's starting to break, and that's unfortunately been sort of the theme for this team really since the second half of that Minnesota game. So I know that's a long-winded question of saying, or answer of saying, you know, I think the guys are still playing hard, but I think where they're at in the season, I, I think it's made them susceptible to some, some big runs where they're giving up like 30 unanswered points three times since that Dallas game. He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Obviously to be him and Rick Venturi and Lara Overton, our coverage begins uh, JMV's got yet yeah, starting at nine o'clock. Network coverage will begin at ten o'clock coming up on Sunday. Mate, obviously, um, the biggest goal of the offseason is to find hope at quarterback. You, you've got to go out and give your organization hope at the most important position in sports. Um, if you were making a list of the most important positions in in the NFL, left tackle would be pretty close to the top of that list. And I feel like they have found a little bit of hope. I, I By no means am I saying you write Bernard Raymond's name down in Sharpie marker on the 2023 depth chart and he's etched in stone for the next decade, but I think mm-hmm. one of the few individual positives late in this year is a guy that came from the MAC and has only played left tackle for two years. He's taken some strides in the right direction, and I think that's really, really important when you're talking about supporting whoever's under center next year. And I think... All he's needed, or what's going to expedite his growth, is playing time and experience, for sure. Time on task and getting 
all of these reps against some really good pass rushers and just get game experience, right? You're going to you're, you're gonna have a different feel for the game in the final two minutes than you would, you know, at the seven-minute mark of the second quarter, right? You get what I'm saying there. And, and the Colts had this idea in mind. I mean, if you go back to the first Houston game, they were spelling Matt Pryor at left tackle for a few series for Bernard Ryman to get him some game experience because they had this idea in mind all along that, you know, we want Bernard Ryman to grow. We want him to be a, a prime candidate to be our left tackle starting in 2023 in his second year in the NFL with the Colts. And obviously it didn't go well at the left tackle position, um, you know, with a handful of guys at the beginning of the season. So they decided to, to go with the growth model with Ryman in there. And I think it's gone pretty well. Now, has he had his speed bumps and his growing pains and his learning lessons? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, they've come in crucial situations. But, you know, I think you can live with that considering where you're at right now record-wise and knowing you're not going to make the playoffs and sacrifice that for the personal growth of Ryman. And I completely agree with you. I think he's turned himself into a viable left tackle. He's only going to get better. He's going to have the entire offseason, again, to tweak his body, continue to grow, work, work on footwork and things of that nature. But you don't just pencil him in. And I don't think you pencil in anybody, um, you know, new-wise in this offensive line like you did um, perhaps last offseason. You know, you, you need some competition at left tackle, and you need some competition at right guard. And, and who knows what's going to happen, you know, in a handful of other places along the roster as well. I think you need to have that um, competition exist, uh, you know, as, as, as prevalent as possible. And so, you know, Bernard Ryman has done a nice job of taking steps this year. I think he's got a chance to, to be a cornerstone left tackle. Um, but if you have the chance, I think, in, in, you know, in a draft or free agency or what have you, um, you want to be as solidified as possible along your offensive line with depth and, and possible choices to play well in a pinch for you. But I give credit to Ryman. He is, he's gone through a lot, and people have talked a lot about him. And, you know, he's, he hasn't, hasn't been playing that position for all that long, and it's a big step from the MAC to the NFL. But I think week by week he's grown a lot and he's taken a lot of things in stride. And um, I think he's going to be a pretty good football player. Matt, in terms of this past season, and I know it has not been a good one, but give me an area where the Colts actually performed, whether, let's say, offensively. Something you thought to yourself after you had your Cheesecake Factory and you went back and you're sitting in the hotel and you're just you're looking back on the year. Great dessert there. And you, they do have good, well, cheesecakes, a lot of them. Um, and you think to yourself, this is something the Colts did really well this year that I think a lot of people overlooked or they didn't perhaps go to enough. What would it be? It would it have to be Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods. Um, you know, those two guys have to be big yards per catch guys for the Colts going forward. If you, if you want to reestablish your vertical passing game next year, it, it has to start with those two guys. And, um, you know, you, you want to get more out of, that, out of that with Michael Pittman Jr. as well. But I thought something that Reggie Wayne said yesterday hit home so well, and he's so right. It's, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is on the verge of 100 catches, but he needs over 100 yards for 1,000 yards. Right, so I mean, it's it's not necessarily a great thing to have that much quantity of, of receptions, and you know it's coming on screens, it's coming on you know short pickups and possession type catches. You want to see more vertical, um, you know, passing and completions to help just the overall efficiency of this offense. I mean, again, 
you go back to it, 13 quarters and only two touchdowns. It's just it's hard for this team to score, and it's even you know, it's even more difficult um, in some senses for this team to be in a position to score, it seems like. And so, yeah, next year you want to get whoever the quarterback is, whatever the offensive system is, you want to get those two guys more involved down the field because I think they can be big-time threats because of their athleticism um, and their intuitiveness and their football IQs, especially Alec Pierce. He's just a really good you know, contortionist, if you will, of his body and, and can just find those seams and can just go up and make a play on the football. Jelani Woods, too, he can, too, but it's more in the, it's more in the seam, it's more in the screen game, and he's just a freak athlete with his size and his speed and, and all those um, you know, measurables that he has coming out. So uh, I would say those two guys, get them more involved downfield and, and get some more yak yards after catch with those two guys and have them be big yards per reception players in 2023. Good voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. The final one coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And Matt, I guess in all seriousness, I'd like to focus on the game here for just a second. Um, I do think it's another chance to evaluate Sam Ellinger, and I feel like that's a little bit lost in the shuffle. I mean, could Sam Ellinger be your backup of the future? I think that's a legitimate question that you have to ask. You brought up Pittman trying to get to 1,000 yards. I know that means a lot to him. I think Zach Moss has run the football pretty well here in recent weeks. Um, And just from a sentimental standpoint, I would love to see a Rodney Thomas interception on Sunday. I'd love to see Rodney Thomas, you know, maybe wear jersey number three. I know there's a guy in the practice squad with that, but maybe he could honor DeMar Hamlin with that. Um, Any other things you're looking forward to on Sunday? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Sam. You know, I mean, I think it's – you know, I think it's better than nothing. You know, with with three uh, starts on the season, you, like you said, you wanted to have a, a clear evaluation on Sam going into the off season on what he is, what he isn't, and what he how he factors into your quarterback equation uh, for next season. Can he be somebody that can push to be the starter? Can he be a viable backup? You know, you just I, I think you know on Sunday you want to treat that with. Um, you know, uh, you know, you want all the evaluating eyes on him, um, and you want to see how he o- operates this offense. It's been a wild year for him. He's had seven different positions on the depth chart. You know, between that quarterback room, between you know the number three, the number two, the number one, up and down, so on and so forth. So, uh, just excited for him. And then Zaire Franklin too. Zaire Franklin is four tackles away from breaking. Uh, the single-season tackle record uh, held by Shaquille Leonard. And I know it's it's going to be 17 games instead of 16 games, but in my opinion, I don't really care because, I mean, that's his first year on the job, first opportunity to be a starter, and he's going to set a Colts record, which is incredibly cool. And I think without question, I think he is the leader. I think he is the leader on defense for this team, and I think he's probably the one or two, you know, biggest voices and, and you know, players that the, the rest of the locker room looks up to. He's Gary Brackett reincarnated, right? Like kind of the underdog guy that, that works yeah. his way through and, and just all of a sudden, yeah. five minutes around him and you go, that guy could sell ice to an Eskimo. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly right. He just gets it, man. He just really does just – and I love his story, too. I mean, you go back to 2018, um, you know, he's a seventh-round draft pick and – that first rookie camp for him at Grand Park, he's getting like three or four reps every other 11-on-11 period in practice. I mean, how are you supposed to make a name for yourself? How are you supposed to make enough plays and stick out to, to make the team? Well, he does enough on defense, and plus he's a core special team player at the time. 
And so he just kind of carves out a niche. He's doing his job. You know, he's being a leader on special teams and things like that. And all of a sudden, it's just a classic case of, of opportunity meets preparation. And you just run with it. And here he is again, maybe, you know, I think one of the best linebackers in the AFC and um, you know, a potential snub for the Pro Bowl. But that's he, neither here nor there. But um, just excited for a lot of guys personally to to cap off good seasons, you know, individually. Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. You mentioned Rodney Thomas. He's got three picks. Stephon Gilmore had a sensational year, I thought, you know, playing you know, 100% of the snaps in 15 out of 16 games. He's actually played a career high in snaps this year. And in the four wins this year for the Colts, he's made four game-winning plays. So, um, yeah, those are the guys I'm going to be watching out for to – sort of cap it off with big performances individually on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me 32-year-old Stephon Gilmore will play every single snap in 15 of 16 games, I would have laughed at you pretty much back in yeah. August. So uh, another guy that deserves individual mention. Uh, Mate, I know it's a bummer for you. You you certainly get in this, in, into this business to call NFL games, but you, you, you think about the playoff atmospheres in those moments, and it's foreign for... You know, this market, this fan base to feel um, games that really don't matter at this point from a playoff standpoint. But I've enjoyed our Friday conversations all year long. You, Rick, and Lara have an outstanding time, and it's always a terrific listen. So appreciate you making time for us each and every Friday, man. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. I appreciate that. You know, it is it is what it is. But, you know, like I said, we're not – I always say it. I, I don't have a real job. It's It's fun. And uh, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the significance of the game, it's still a chance to, to broadcast football, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. So anytime in the off season, you got my number, I'm here for you, and uh, it's been fun. I appreciate you guys. I love it, man. We'll get lunch to the Cheesecake Factory coming up in the offseason. <laughs> you guys, I, I need that endorsement. You got it. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.